Today we're looking at a topic which is one that's been in the background for, for quite a long time. The Sabbath or the Lord's Day. What is a Sunday for? Should we worship on the Sabbath or the Lord's Day? Some people get tied up in knots about religious matters. And one of these matters is the topic of the Lord's Day. Is it the same thing as the Sabbath, just on a different day of the week? Is it a day of rest, a day of worship? Should we be worshiping on each week on the Sabbath or the Sunday? You might think that this is a bit of an academic question. Of course we should worship on the Sunday. But it's, it's not only a, a question which academics have struggled with. There are simply too many people increasingly who have a problem with worshipping on the Sabbath. Increasingly people are looking to the internet, to people who, are, who have opinions but are not experts. And people are getting confused. And, and YouTube and the internet is not a great place to go for our theology or even for any kind of truth. Yes, there's lots of helpful things out there. There's lots of good blogs written by good people. But the most reliable information is written by those who have researched, those who have published books, where they've been peer-reviewed by other authors. The publishers wouldn't publish something that they couldn't stand over. And the best blog articles are written by those who have already published books. Yet there's too many people who haven't published anything, who haven't had anybody scrutinize their work, and they just put out opinions. From the opinionated, and also some of the scholarly, there's diverse opinions on this whole topic. And what I'd like to try and do today is try and delve into the skim the surface in a sense and try and help us address this issue because there's people in West Belfast as well as other places who won't worship with us because they say we're worshipping on the wrong day. And this is in an attempt to, addressing this today is an attempt to try and help us encourage people to worship the Lord, to help them not get tied up in theological knots but it's also actually very interesting when we start to look at scripture instead of just do what we've always done and assume that it was the same all the way right back to the very, very start. Some believe that the Emperor Constantine, Gemma, maybe turn the, gray, the, the, the red fader down a wee bit. Thanks. Some people believe that the Emperor Constantine introduced Sunday worship in the 4th century. That it was a pagan or non-Christian distortion of Christianity. And that we should get back to what the New Testament believers were doing, which is worshipping on a Saturday. Others believe that we should have a Sabbath where we do not work at all. Where we are involved in spiritual worship or rest all day. And... The swings should be locked in the park, sit back like they used to be. And that people are sinning if they go to work, even if they happen to be nurses in a hospital on a shift pattern. 
this topic is, is one that gets people tied up in knots. It's a pastoral problem, not just a theological one. So that's why we're looking at it today. Hopefully not trying to make it too complicated and not trying to oversimplify it as well. The most important question is, are we doing the right thing worshipping on Sundays, the Lord's Day? The next question is, what should the Lord's Day be like? Should it be a day of spiritual worship, jam-packed with services and events all the way through the day? Or is it meant to be more of a day of rest or a bit of both? (coughs) Then we can look at how to apply, how do we respond if we have to work? I'd like to look at these things in turn. But first, let's tackle a question. When did it change from the Sabbath to the Sunday? Some say it changed at the 5th century with Constantine. Others, the 2nd century. Constantine had a conversion of a sort to Christianity. Nobody really knows whether he was a believer or not in the 4th century. The Roman Empire had experienced Christianity growing and growing within it. And uh, in the early 400s, the 5th century, um, or the the 4th century, Constantine had a sort of conversion to Christianity. And he says, right, that's it. Sunday is a day of rest. And everybody throughout the empire ought to adopt this day of rest. Some blame the Catholic Church for having promoted it and adopted it then. And yet the Catholic Church wasn't really born back then. The Catholic Church really became what it was as we know it today, more at the Reformation than a thousand years before that. It was still a developing church and it had introduced some errors, definitely. But it wasn't quite as problematic as it later became by that time. Some people blame Catholicism for everything, and they don't see the errors in in other churches as well. But leaving that aside, the fact that the first day of the week was called Sunday, it's from the Latin day solus, which means the day of the sun. The fact that it's called Sunday is largely irrelevant. When we're worshipping here on this day of the week, we're not worshipping the sun god. So... That argument that some people have that the the name of the day tells us who we are worshipping, that's not true. Shakespeare wrote, a rose by any other name would smell just as sweet. If my wife had a different name, I would love her just as much. The name does not define what we do. So when we worship on the first day of the week, we're worshipping God regardless of what the name of the day is. Although many Christians prefer to call it what they did a long time ago, the Lord's Day, rather than Sunday. So we we can avoid that even if we want. In the Bible, we read in Acts chapter 20, on the first day of the week, (coughs) we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them this when he was in Troas. And since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. Instead of saying Sunday, he noted that they were worshipping on the first day of the week. 
the believers met together as a local church for preaching to share the Lord's Supper, the Lord's table. We can assume that they would have been singing praises and praying as well. And this was on the first day of the week. Later, Paul instructs the Corinthians on the first day of each week, you should put <clears throat> each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and try to collect it all at once. Paul was making a collection for, for those who were in need elsewhere. And so the whole principle of having a collection on the Lord's Day started then. But it's interesting that, that Paul writes that on the first day of each week, as if that is the norm for worship. The first day of each week being the Sunday. By the time John wrote Revelation, the early church had continued meeting on the, on the first day of the week, but changed its name. John says, it was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit. The first day of the week for Christians became known as the Lord's day. And for many people, that's a preferable title than Sunday but I don't think it really matters too much other than maybe it just gives the Lord a little more prominence on that day. But from those few verses that we can see there, there's a number of important things. The earliest tradition of worshipping on the first day of the week was not when Constantine says the whole empire has to have a day of rest. It wasn't in the, the fourth century, but it was within the living lifetime of people who walked when Jesus was alive. The early Christians were aware that that day was associated with worship of the sun. And so they preferred to call it the first day of the week or the Lord's day. Back then, the, the, the title Sunday had a real pagan influence. But today, it doesn't. The fact that others worshipped other gods on that day didn't mean that they couldn't also worship God on that same day, that the believers couldn't worship God on that same day too. Just like the Romans worshipped the god Saturn on Saturday, that didn't mean that the Jews weren't allowed to worship God on that same day under the law of Moses. The early church worshipped on the Sunday, and if we can call it that without implying worship of the sun, and that's okay. Although if you prefer the Lord's Day, that's good too. The title the Lord's Day is not just a label, but it carries theological significance. Because this day is the day the Lord has made. This is the day of the resurrection, the first day of the week. But more about that later. It's interesting the timing of Paul's preaching in Acts chapter 20. If I was to do what he did, and if I was to still to be preaching until midnight, well, <laughs> I'd have probably lost my voice, and you'd probably all have gone home. But why was Paul preaching until midnight? The reason is that back then Sundays, was, Sundays were a working day. 
and the church wouldn't have been able to meet during the day. They would have had to meet to worship in the evening. And Paul had to travel the next day. So instead of maybe doing a series of things, you know, preaching over a number of, of Sundays, he had to cram it all into that day because he was, he was leaving the next day from Troas. When Constantine instituted the, the Sunday as being the day of rest, we, we often don't realize that before that, the Roman Empire did not have a working week. It did not have a week as we know it today. It didn't change it from a Saturday or a, any other day to a Sunday. He introduced the whole concept of the week into the whole Roman Empire. Before then, the Romans had they had a day off on the first day of each month and they had a couple of days off during the month depending on the cycle of the moon. And the first day of each month in the cycles of the moon, they varied every month. And some, some days it would have been a Tuesday was the first day of the month and, and some days it would have been a Friday, some days a Sunday, some days a Saturday. Constantine instituted the week into the Roman Empire for the first time and the Sunday as a day of rest. Before then, the Christians were more often than not having to work on the first day of the week in the Roman Empire. Although the Jews in Jerusalem would have had the Sabbath off, the Saturday off and retained that. But elsewhere where Paul would have been ministering, we cannot presume that the Saturday was a day off and we cannot presume that the Sunday was a day of rest. It was a working day most of the time. So they would have been meeting in the evening. If, if they started at eight or nine, you can see how they might have been going on until midnight. Just incidentally on the name of the day again, we don't worship the sun. As, as people accuse us of, I don't know if you've come across it, but if you ever do, you can tell them we don't. Just in the same way that the, the, the Saturday, we don't worship the god of Saturn, like the the ancient people used to do, or the the pagan god Thor on Thursday. The name of the day is not so relevant. It's what we do on that day that is important. But secondly, the Sabbath and the Lord's Day are not the same thing. The Sabbath was not simply transferred from Saturday to Sunday. The Jewish Sabbath was set apart as a day of rest where no work was allowed, as noted in the Law of Moses. And it's really crucial to say that the Law of Moses was given to a particular people in a particular place in a particular time in human history. And the laws within the law of Moses were, many of them were specific to those people at that place in that time. Many of them have been canceled. We don't have to keep the dietary laws. We don't have to keep some of the ceremonial laws. The whole nation was ordered to rest one day a week on the Sabbath, the Saturday. And they could be ordered to do that because 
they lived under a theocracy where God was in charge. Theos, God was in charge. We live in a democracy where secular governments are in charge. Some people live under dictatorships where the one day a week is not set aside. And when it comes, there's a good argument, a reasonable argument for saying that although the civil laws are easily dismissed and some of those ceremonial laws, the moral law, the Ten Commandments, is not so easily dismissed. Jesus, when he spoke about things like murder and adultery, he actually reinforced the moral law, the Ten Commandments. Instead of just making sure we don't commit physical adultery, he says we mustn't commit adultery in our hearts, in our minds. When we call somebody an idiot or an idiot, Jesus says that's along the same lines as murder, which is actually a real challenge to us. He really reinforced so many of the commandments, but there was one he didn't, and that was keeping the Sabbath. When it comes to keeping the Sabbath, he actually went in the other direction. He actually disestablished it. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Taking this to his logical conclusion, even though God rested on the seventh day of creation, resting on the seventh day should not be considered a creation ordinance that we ought to do because it was never taught in the Bible like that. It was taught for the Israelites under the law of Moses that they ought to do it based on what God did. But that doesn't necessarily mean it applies to people before then and after then. Where we can keep Sunday special, we really ought to. Although there should be exceptions for people like nurses and those keeping the electricity stations going. And increasingly we're finding that people have to work on shift patterns that include Sundays. Should people give up their jobs and not provide for their family just so that they can say that they haven't worked on a Sunday? Some people took it further by chaining up the swings so children couldn't play in the park. Children weren't allowed to play games or even kick a football in the afternoon in the street. It was a day where it became legalistic, became a very heavy day for many people. Is that what the Lord had required for the, the church? In a, in a book called From Sabbath to Lord's Day, Don Carson summarizes what the, for a few hundred years has been the sort of the norm. He says, the principle of one day in seven for rest and worship was established at creation incorporated into the Mosaic law and formally presented as moral law. That's what people thought of it. This view states that the people, for people of the Old Testament, the appropriate day for the Sabbath was the seventh day and that the Lord's resurrection on the first day of the week affected a change, a legitimate shift to Sunday. Sabbath or Sunday observance is viewed as symbolic of the special rest that God's people enjoy <coughs> now and will enjoy in fullness after the second coming. 
However, he and many others go on to argue that that was a bit simplistic. That the Lord's Day should not be thought of simply as having been transferred from Saturday to a Sunday. He shows that before Moses there was no consistent weekly worship. Abraham didn't worship every Sabbath. Neither did Job. Because Job's experience was living before Abraham, or certainly before Moses. Job would give a, offer a sacrifice on an ad hoc basis. It wasn't once a week. It was only when the law of Moses was given that weekly worship was introduced into the timeline of God's people. And the law of Moses, the day of rest on the Sabbath, symbolized the freedom that the Israelites had from being freed from slavery in Egypt. The people of Israel must keep the Sabbath day by observing it from generation to generation. This is a covenant obligation for all time. It is a permanent sign of my covenant with the people of Israel. It's God's covenant with the people of Israel, which they should have kept but they failed in so many ways to keep God's covenant. They were exiled. Some returned. But now we're in a new covenant era. The New Testament church, for the New Testament church, the significance of God's day of rest to creation is that it points forward to our eternal rest in glory. And yes, it also is a special day which where possible, where we can have a day of rest, like when the Israelites went into the land of Canaan and they set up their own government under the law of Moses and they could have a day of rest. It's good to do it where we can. But we're not sinning if our circumstances don't allow us to do so. It is not a universal moral principle along the lines of you must not murder. It is included in the Ten Commandments for the people of Israel. But Jesus didn't extend it from the Old Covenant into the New. We are freed from the legalism that arose from too strict an application of the Old Testament laws. We're freed from even the requirement to worship on the Sabbath because God knows that for the gospel to have gone to all the other nations of the world, believers could not keep the law of Moses the way it was given on the old covenant. And the early church worshipped in the way that they could on the Lord's day. They did what they could to worship the Lord. <clears throat> but we're not told explicitly in the New Testament era to keep either the Jewish Sabbath or a universal day of rest on the Lord's day. It's good to do so where we can, but we're not bound to do it. Let me summarize this far by quoting Don Carson in the introduction to this book from Sabbath to the Lord's Day, which many scholars have written. He says, first, we are not persuaded that the New Testament unambiguously develops a transfer theology according to which the Sabbath moves from the seventh day to the first day of the week. We're not persuaded that Sabbath keeping is presented in the Old Testament as a norm from the time of creation onward. He means it 
was there from the time of Moses, but not before it. We're not persuaded that Sunday observance arose only in the second century or even later. We think, however, that although Sunday worship arose in New Testament times, it was not perceived as a Christian Sabbath. We disagree profoundly with historical reconstructions that in reality developed only much later. I don't know about you, but for a long time I just thought the Sabbath was just, or the, the Lord's Day was just the Sabbath just transferred to Sunday. But actually the Sabbath for the Israelites represented, symbolized their freedom as well as symbolizing, in a way, God resting on the, on the seventh day. As we read in Hebrews, it symbolizes the eternal rest that we have. And they, they were able to live a little bit of that back then. And where we can, we ought to do so today. But we're not commanded to do so. <clears throat> in some countries, such as in the Middle East, where Islam is the dominant religion, Fridays are the day off. And Christians worship the Lord on a Friday. And that's okay. There is nothing explicitly in the New Testament or elsewhere in the Bible that applies to us that tells us that we have to worship on the Lord's day. And that like the Jews on the Sabbath, we are under God's condemnation if we don't. Whichever day it is, However, it should not be a dividing matter. Christians who stop coming to church because they say we're meeting on the wrong day. Well, even if they have an argument and maybe they think that one day is better than another. That's okay for them to think that. But it's not a dividing issue. Paul writes... One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord, and the one who eats eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God too. What Paul says applies arguably mainly to Special days, like you can have a special day once a year, maybe. Even Christmas or Easter or certain holy days. These things are okay. But we don't have to be bound by them, is what he's saying. But that same principle applies also to the day of the week. In fact, in Colossians 2, he says, So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. What Jesus says as well in John chapter 4, which we looked at last Wednesday, is also crucial. <coughs> Jesus disestablished the old covenant in stages. And he established a new covenant in stages too. Pentecost happened weeks after he rose again. In between those two events, he gave the church the commission to go and make disciples of all nations, people from all nations. <coughs> but throughout his teaching, Matthew 18, he gives the authority to church leaders to 
to judge and to excommunicate and to discipline people who are not living in the church the way they ought to. But in John chapter 4, he says, but the time is coming, and indeed it's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman at the well had been discussing the way the Samaritans worship versus the way the Jews worship. And Jesus supported the way the Jews worship, but said, hold on, that is ending. He disestablished the old covenant, the old way of worship, having to worship at Jerusalem, having to worship on the Sabbath. Instead, he teaches that the heart of worship is actually what's more important. Worshipping in spirit and in truth. The day of the week that was established by Moses, that's now disestablished. That's the old covenant. Let's look again at those verses in Acts chapter 20. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share the Lord's Supper. One of the things that is a real problem in interpreting scripture is understanding the context and understanding what is actually stated. Some people from this particular verse say that because they worshiped on the first day of the week, that, is, that means that we have to worship on the, the first day of the week. And the Christians in a Muslim country, they are not free to worship on a Saturday. They have to worship on the first day of the week, the Sunday. But actually what we read here is not a command. It's not a prescription for how we ought to do it. It's simply a description of what they did back then. And turning descriptive parts of scripture into prescriptive commands is actually a bad way to interpret scripture. We have to be careful to be able to distinguish between simply a practice which might be helpful and a command which can tie us up in knots if we apply it too strictly. We simply read that that's what they did. We're not commanded that that's what we ought to do in these verses. At the same time, historians tell us that there were some believers at the same time, right from the start in the early church, who worshipped the Lord on the Sabbath, on the Saturday. And they say, well, there, that's evidence that that's the day we ought to worship. That's simply a description of what they did. This is the description of what other believers did. But yet, God chose only to include in his word the description of what the believers did who worshipped on the Lord's day. He didn't confuse us by telling us that some worship on the Sabbath as well. But the fact that he gave us in his word the pattern of those who, who worshipped on the Lord's day is we can infer from that that this is his preferred day of worship. Because it's the Lord's day as it's described as well. 
So putting all this together, there's no right day and there's no wrong day, although the preferred day is the Lord's day. It fits with that tradition of God's rest, but it is not a command that we have to legalistically follow. It points forward just as God's rest on the seventh day points forward, as Hebrews 4 teaches us, points forward to our eternal rest. But whatever day we meet on, that is the day to meet on. While we're not commanded to meet on any particular day, and while it's good, I believe, to follow the pattern of the New Testament church as recorded in the Bible, to meet on the Lord's day, we are given one command. In Hebrews 10, we're told, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We're not commanded as to what day to meet on. But whatever day we meet on, we're commanded to meet on that day. Fellowship is important. Worship of the Lord is important. If a church meets on Sundays, we should gather and meet on Sundays. If it meets on Fridays in some places in the Middle East, then this verse tells us that we ought to meet on that day too. If work prevents us from doing so, well, if we have to work, but we would wish to worship, well, we're not neglecting meeting together. The command is not to neglect meeting together. It is not a command that we must meet. It's a command that we not neglect to meet. So if illness or responsibility means that we can't work on the Sunday or can't worship on the Sunday, then that's okay. We're not breaking this command. Isn't the Lord good by not giving us a burden of legalism, of requiring us, giving us a day to worship him if we can, but not really coming down hard on us if we can't? He is gracious to us. And yet so many, so many Christians are not as gracious they would, just like the Pharisees brought a burden of laws upon people, too often Christians can bring a burden of legalism onto others as well. About 70 years ago, the famous preacher, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, once had a troubled young man come to him and said, I'm really in a quandary. I think I have to go give up my job. And the preacher asked, the pastor asked, why, what's the problem? He says, my employer's making me, I have to work on Sundays at times. And he was expecting to get a long theological telling off about why he should not work on Sundays, how it was the day he ought to be in church. And Lloyd-Jones simply says, you have to work on Sundays? Okay, you have to work on Sundays. That was it. He didn't come down heavy on him. The Lord doesn't come down heavy on us either. The question is more, do we desire to worship the Lord? Do we desire to come out and be with his people? Do we desire to come out and use the gifting he has given each one of us to bless others, to be 
encouraged and rebuked even by others at times. Do we want to come out and honor and praise God? Or do we prefer to do other things instead? Is DIY now our God? Is entertainment, is sport now more important? And yet if we have a help of choice between helping a neighbor who's in need, if there's an emergency that comes up, it will be wrong to to ignore them and say, I've got to go to church. Like in the parable of the Good Samaritan, the Levite just walked by on the other side. Let's not be legalistic about it. Even the law of Moses allowed for breaking the Sabbath in times of, of emergency. And Jesus healed on the Sabbath too. So, in conclusion, the early church worshipped with joy on the Lord's Day, which was generally a, a day of work. Constantine introduced the week and the Sunday as a day of rest. Hundreds of years later, one writer notes, by the Middle Ages, the Lord's Day has lost its joy and became more like a funeral. And the Puritans introduced Sabbatarianism back into Sundays, making it more like a Jewish Sabbath. And that lasted for a few centuries. In recent decades, we've recovered something of the freedom that we have had in Scripture, more out of necessity. We can't actually keep Sundays the way people used to 100 years ago. And we're re-examining the theology of it and finding out we didn't have to. The Israelites celebrated the Sabbath as a sign of their freedom from slavery in Egypt. But the Lord has secured our eternal freedom from slavery to sin by his death on the cross. And our sins are forgiven and we are set free by what he has done for us. By his atoning death, we have that second exodus, as some theologians call it, we have a new liberation, a spiritual liberation is what we focus on. So most of all, we ought to worship him, to enjoy him and rejoice in him, our God. He's the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord of the first day of the week. He's the Lord of everything. But most of all, we need rest, rest for our souls. As Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this privilege we have of being able to worship you, which is only by your grace and mercy towards us. We thank you, Lord, you haven't burdened us with laws and responsibilities to, that we cannot keep in our circumstances. But where we can, Lord, help us to develop more of a heart that wants to worship you, that wants to give you praise, Lord, help us to live for you each day of the week, not just on Sundays. Forgive us for our sins, Lord. Forgive us for our cold-heartedness at times. 
Lord, each day of the week, may our hearts burn for you. May our hearts be on fire to live for you and to give thanks and praise to you. And we thank you for the opportunities we have to do so on the Lord's day. In Jesus' name, amen.